All right. So this is episode 75. Um, those numbers keep increasing. Uh, it's actually quite a large number now. Somehow 75 feels a lot larger than 74 to me. It's because it's one more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and Zach is on a field trip again. Mm. So we will record just the two of us. Uh, yeah. Short, probably. I mean, people can look at the the, the uh, episode length, but I'm, we, we kind of aim for 20 to 30 minutes. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So let's yeah, get started. I don't, I don't feel like you should commit to this because I feel like people look and it's like, wow, this is a two hour episode, guys. <laughs> if this is a two hour episode, then there will be super exciting things because I'm kind of hungry and I'm really not uh, prepared for a two hour episode. So there must hey, be something. See breaking news on the show in order for this to become any longer than 30 all right, minutes all right let's see how this goes mm. cool um yeah all right should we start with um talking about a little bit because we alluded to that so many times just talk a little bit of uh about an update about our mac app that we've been working on oh we're starting there I think that's that's better, just because we kind of alluded to it, and we kind of never really got into it, and we thought, now is a good time, maybe. Okay, I do think we spoke about it like two or three episodes ago. We spoke a bit about how to ship, like how to decide when to ship something, and mm-hmm. we are talking a bit about uh, our experience with SwiftUI so far, uh, but I think since then, I feel like we have been talking a bit outside of the show, and I think... I feel like we have a really nice roadmap for for our Mac app on how we can iterate on it. So I don't feel like we have any problems getting getting it shipped. I think we're really really close now. Mm. And so just I'm as quite a happy about really that. brief recap, um, we're we're building a time tracking application for for the Mac uh, in SwiftUI, mm. and um, one of the kind of I mean, there, there's quite a long roadmap. We we kind of just super uh, roughly sketched out something that could stretch years. Yeah, you make um, it sound like it's bad. It's a bad thing. I think what I really like with this roadmap is that we have everything pretty iterative, and we can hmm. start shipping quite soon, and then continue working on our own product. Yeah. And I think so, that's that's a that's the way I like to do it. I don't like to sink my time into a project for one and a half years and then release it and hope that it works out. I would like to s- release it sooner and then iterate on it, depending on. Like how, how I like it. Yeah, I hope you're not going into rocket science anytime soon. Well, um, that's different. That's different. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I cross that bridge when I get there. Um, but because of that, um, when when we started our own company, we needed to we started doing more client work uh, on the side uh, on the side of our own project, and we wanted to to track the time and then invoice clients for the time. That's kind of how freelance work works. Hmm. Um, so we used Zoho books which is one of many there, there are quite a few different uh, cloud accounting systems but Zoho books seem to match kind of what we we had in mind also seem to be uh, quite a lot cheaper than the other ones um, and uh, still fit within the realm of things we wanted it to do um, but their Mac client wasn't good at all Mm-hmm. Um, and still, it's. I mean, they they do have two now. They have one that's kind of a AppKit app for time tracking, but it's kind of flaky and weird. And another one that's a Catalyst app, which is also not really great at time tracking. Um, so we thought, all right, let's let's as as our first step of this process of releasing our own time tracking and invoicing app, let's mm. build it against their APIs. So it's, we built something that we can actually start using. We don't have to build the APIs on day one. So we kind of just built them against their APIs and have a nice uh, Mac client ourselves and then keep going from there. And 
as we kind of built that, we got to a point where where we thought maybe we should release this for other people who might not like the Zoho apps. Hmm. And that's kind of where we are right now with our first step to hmm. to have this app. I'd say we're like ninety nine percent done now. Yeah, I would say ninety eight. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> just because ninety nine sounds like oh we're almost there. But uh, I it, mean ninety eight is also almost there. But I just I know that there's something. There are always things coming. No, I think we're good. We're kind of at a point where we think we can record this podcast and then finish the rest of the dev tasks today. So I feel like that is definitely qualifying as a 99%. I think our biggest quote blocker at the moment is that we're waiting for our App Store account to be completely set up. Yeah, the new Because we created a new developer account for for this project. Um, So we're waiting for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty good thing to be waiting for. It's not like we have everything. It's not like we have all those dev tests that we need to do. Everything feels pretty solid. Mm. I'm I'm happy about that. But either way, we're, we're really, really close. So that's kind of our the first step to release what we consider a pretty good uh, time tracking app that connects to Zoho. But obviously, the limitation there is you need to use Zoho's time tracking feature either for your accounting or invoicing in order to use it at all. So we don't really know what how, what the demand would be like. Like, we have absolutely no idea. I, I yeah. could see anything between zero downloads and, and 2,000. I, I, really, mm-hmm. I really don't know. Because if you look at the forums, there seem to be quite a lot. Essentially, everyone who uses the time tracking feature uh, and a Mac seems to be <laughs> not quite, not too happy with their uh, Mac client. Yeah, yeah. So there are definitely people who have the same problem. I just don't know how many people there are with that problem. Um, mm. But considering that we wanted it ourselves. Yeah, yeah. it's not like we saw this as the potential market and that's why we worked on this. That's not really where the product or- originated from. Mm-hmm. So I think for just for us to be able to have it, it makes sense. But then I think as we developed this, we noticed that there were certain limitations with Soho time tracking in general and with their APIs. So I think our next step is going to be us taking on a lot of that ourselves instead. Uh, so essentially building a backend for, for the time tracking. Yeah. Yeah. So that you can sign up and use our app without having Soho. If you, if you're a person who might not be on the Soho system or you want to have something that is having different type of time tracking that we're going to make, uh, I think. But also just if you want, maybe you don't need cloud accounting right maybe you just want to yeah, start maybe you just tracking want the time, time for whatever yeah uh and wanted to sync across different devices um i, I just want something that you can use without having to sign up with someone else right that yeah. that is more the idea yeah, you want yeah. It, if you don't have any other pr- any other cloud accounting software you can use our time tracker that's kind of the next iteration yeah we we provide that you have like you can you don't have to create like you can use signing with apple to create an account hopefully yeah, i know uh, nice. we'll get there yeah. I, I i promise that now let's have we'll a look at fun. the mac support for yeah. signing with apple first because <laughs> i feel like it's a bit forgotten but we're getting it's it's fine it's fine i'm not complaining uh, at least swift ui is available on mac yeah no, no, but it will be good. So that's kind of the next step, right? To hmm. to have, if you want to use time tracking, t- that you can use our service completely independently, yeah. and then being able to export your your pro- like your time tracking, your projects, and those kind of things from there. So if you use, I don't know, I, I mean, realistically, if you use any other like invoicing system, you could export your data and and pipe it into that and hmm. use whatever service you already use. Um, but to kind of have the time tracking part very independent and i think then on the the next item on the roadmap is to actually generate invoices from from our system as well Hmm. so if you do use time tracking and you do want to invoice someone you can 
first track your time yeah for the project and then invoice your client yeah i think that's kind of the next step from there yeah yeah and then the next step from that is probably something wearable like glasses <laughs> <laughs> yep um but yeah. it's I, I think that that seems like i, I really like that we kind of have very small iterative steps of getting to where we want to be yeah yeah and that was a joke we're not gonna make something wearable at this stage it's it's focusing on software for now for now but um, it's, it's been real it's it's really fun and i feel like <laughs> software uh, is fun who software knew it's fun yeah uh but i've been enjoying this and like i think Many people complain about SwiftUI and its maturity, and I think, yeah, if you... <laughs> Many uh, people, including uh, the two of us. Yeah, but I feel like we have gotten to a stage where we have a shippable product, and I've, I'm happy about that. Mm. We uh, even fixed the, the bug where if you change the size of a uh, text element, that it would uh, crash the app. I know, it doesn't crash anymore. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's a good workaround we got there. Mm. Um but yeah, there are definitely still limitations, but it's possible to make something. And I'm also looking later on. We also want to obviously start to reuse some of the elements that we wrote in SwiftUI so that we can do it for our um, future iOS app as well. So that will be interesting to see how much we can use. But I think even if we can just reuse 20% of it, it's better than have two, than having two apps in UIKit and AppKit. I think at this stage, it made sense to pick up SwiftUI for Mac. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, I definitely don't regret that. I think this makes sense. And I wanted to understand SwiftUI better anyways. And it was a good opportunity for that. Hmm. Hmm. But either way, I, I'm the next step, I think there's also a significant increase in, in work now because we we already plan to write the entire backend in, in Vapor. So another Swift, Yay. Uh, <laughs> Swift project and then have the probably get that running with the Mac app that we already have. So point at our own APIs instead of the Zoho APIs. And then add a iOS app to that as well. Hmm. And then we will have like a web app there. There, decent amount of work. Yeah, yeah so in like three days, I think we have all that done. Sure, right? yeah. yeah. Maybe we should take that times two just to be sure. Uh, so we're not underestimating our tasks here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, maybe maybe just double that again. You t- <laughs> you take care of that, and I do other other work. Just yeah, yeah. seems seems like an efficient split of our time. Mm. Yeah, but we're getting there. Uh, I think uh, if everything works out, uh, we should have the Zoho focused one uh, shippable after this weekend. So we're releasing this episode on Monday. So, so that's, that's after the weekend already. Yep. <laughs> good, good talking. I know. Um, so release during the week that we release this episode, we should also be able to release. I feel uh, like you made it way too confusing to follow this now. So we can just release it whenever. We we would do that anyways. Yeah, that's, yeah. True. that's true. So this week, we, we plan to release that. We'll see how that goes. But I'm fairly confident based on the task. I mean, you never know, right? You might have understood something really strange. But we're I, I think we're we're fairly in a fairly good state now. Yeah. 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 And then, I, um, I don't know, we, we set ourselves a fairly ambitious two-month target to... I think it's fairly ambitious yeah. to have a two-month target to have... Basically, feature compat of feature complete with our own backend. So basically, the same features as we have supporting Soho for our own backend. Yes. Yeah. With did we say with some basic web component? Sorry. Did we say that includes a very basic web component, or oh, is that no? I no, <laughs> I didn't know we signed up for this. All right. All right. Yeah, that's your plan. 
What do you mean by web component? Like a place where you can see all the all the projects. You can mm. like at least view, edit, add projects to your. <laughs> so you can do everything as you can do in a Mac. Yes. Yes. And then some. <laughs> uh, right. I didn't think that would follow into two months. Uh, all right. Cool. So first. Backend APIs talking to the Mac app mm. basically do whatever the current app does with Zoho does with our own backend. So not at a shippable state. No, I would assume. What do you mean shippable? Like, I, I feel I like as soon as it's in, on pair, on par. Do you say on pair or on par? On par. Okay. As soon as we're on par with uh, the Zoho app that we made, I think we can release it. But there are certain things, right, that we want for it to be useful like certain things like we definitely want to be able to add projects at the moment we just kick you to zoho oh to yeah yeah add yeah project yeah, and task. yeah okay there's a little bit more that we want to do too and then yeah. we want some kind of way of getting the data out of the app yeah you know so there's definitely some kind of export functionality yeah. so there's definitely yeah. Yeah. a few extra days on top of that to get yeah. to something that i think is is useful mm. and usable mm -hmm. to to enough people and then we have to have some kind of monetization in there as well um, because the Zoho app will at least start being paid up front because yeah. we have absolutely no idea how many people are even interested. But we do think if someone falls into that niche mm -hmm. of using Zoho, wants to track their time with an app that's better than the, the ones that they give you for free, people probably, if you fall into that niche, you're probably willing to pay a few dollars yeah, to, yeah. to uh, fix a problem you have. Hmm. Um Well, for our own one, we definitely wanted to be free up front and then some kind of subscription um, to use uh, the more advanced feature set um, just because we're then competing with... like, I, I want to get people to just try it out. And yeah, then, I agree. I agree. And then see if they yeah, like that's it. Why, that's why I would like it to be a bit more feature complete than the Soho app. Mm. Uh, so I do want that too. But I don't think we gonna do that within two months i think that might be more of a three month goal and then we can actually st release that app in three months mm. that's sort of what i'm timeline wise that's what i'm thinking i think three months is enough for that i mean it will be tight considering that we write the whole backend from scratch in um vapor but, but it's also the holidays are coming up a lot of other people take holidays and we just have more time to work on our own things <laughs> yeah so it's also it's, it's actually quite a good period It is, I think, it is. To, to get things Do you know done. what? I, I actually really like the winter <laughs> for, for that because I feel like I don't really want to go outside right now. So I may as well sit inside and work on my things. I mean, it's, it's, I, I feel like this is a difficult period because it's still like 10 ish degrees outside. So I feel like I, yeah. I need to harvest the last uh, sun rays. Yeah, for... but it's not like I'm going to go for like a full day hike because the mountains are a bit too cold and wet and. Yeah, you, like, you go for gonna, a sea level slip. hike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the supermarket and back. No, but I, I I go outside to get enjoyment before the snow is coming, which is you know it, it's not it's, it's not it's not gonna come. We're, we'll be fine. But before it's getting too cold, um, as in like around zero degrees, I think we should use it. But at the same time, the, since it's getting dark quite early, I'm happy to just go in, go home quite early, and stay inside and work for cool. long hours. So I think this is a pretty good season <laughs> to to get work done. All right. I think many people just think that the winter is a bad time to get work done because you have so many holidays. And I think it's comfortable to just sit down and watch movies. But I'm going to try to not do that. 
Uh, but yeah, I feel like we're going to get much work done during the winter. Um, I feel like we're very... <laughs> okay, this makes it sound bad, more positive than I mean, but we're very bleeding edge. Bleeding edge? Yeah, it's like... Do you I really... think I'm awesome. <laughs> That's not what I mean. I'm like, do we really have to take all the technologies that no one ever used before? It's like, oh, we're going to only support Catalina, and we're going to use SwiftUI, and we're going to um, make a Mac app, which is like, this is a niche product. This is a niche area, and it's quite difficult. As soon as we have any problems, no one else had those problems before. <laughs> and now we're going to make our backend, and we're not just going to use... Swift, we're going to use Vapor, which is like one side part of how you write Swift on the back end. So it's like, it's a, it's a separate, separate framework. And I don't know. I wonder if we are too bleeding edge. Not, 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 I don't like using that word because bleeding edge sounds positive. But I don't know if this is positive. How do I you mean, feel? That is, I definitely think there's a, there are problems with that. So multiple parts of that, mm. right? So the, the, the Catalina part, I'm really not happy with. That we, I mean, Swift UI is something we wanted to yeah, learn. Yeah, I'm and we happy thought with this Swift was UI a, as well. Yeah. And this was a good way of learning. Mm. You know, I, I always like learning new tech while having a project in mind you want to accomplish with it. Yeah. It's definitely. way more fun than. It's so much more. Oh, I don't know. Like, maybe it's just me, but I, I really don't like just sitting and write, going through a tutorial and then throwing something away in the end. I yeah. just want to yeah, have yeah. something that I actually can use directly. Like, if I, if I want to learn it, I want to have a use case for it. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's small, right? I mean, yeah. this is like medium size, but even if it's something small, I'd rather do that. Yeah. That I actually want to have than, yeah. um, than just like following tutorial. Yeah. It's I, like I, homework, you know? <laughs> when you like have to do homework it's like yeah, how many never done that. <laughs> you just make like maybe you write like the most amazing essay ever and no one ever get to see it apart from your teacher and they throw it away when they mark it <laughs> i mean sometimes it felt like they didn't even read it yeah so um anyway. yeah but i 100% agree i always need to have a project that I actually want to work on while learning a new thing. So that was kind of why we wrote in Swift UI. And Catalina is definitely limiting for yeah. something that's already so niche. And what I really found to be frustrating, like I don't mind using Catalina and I don't mind upgrading to it, but I feel like Catalina in general, the, this year's updates in the Apple ecosystem have got pretty bad rep. Mm -hmm. And I'm just concerned that people who are not very... Again, on the bleeding edge of technology, they might not feel comfortable up upgrading. So that's something I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit unhappy about. Haha, but jokes on them. The 16-inch MacBook Pro is shipped Ooh, with Catalina. Good point. Good yeah. point. Yeah. So if you want a keyboard that works, <laughs> got to be on Catalina. And then you can use our app if you also happen to use the old books for your accounting. See, this isn't niche at all. <laughs> <laughs> we should only support a 16-inch MacBook Pro. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah. I totally know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. And that was kind of the trade-off we were willing to, to make here. Because realistically, we wouldn't have made a Zoho tracking time tracking app with AppKit. We would no, want no, no. to make our own app anyways. Mm. And considering that this like the second part would realistically not be released until like february march yeah at the very earliest yeah hopefully people have started picking it up then you know what we can just release all this propaganda about how amazing Catalina is. <laughs> but it's also it's getting better over it, time it, it, right it, it, there it, are more people buying new macs oh, i like this you're starting already <laughs> <laughs> but you know they're the new their catalina's getting better so more updates people will upgrade at some point yeah apple's still somewhat pushing i mean apple's actually quite 
um, heavily pushing updates now since they started delivering them in system preferences again, right? Oh, that, you actually have like oh, a... Oh, for a while there you had to go through the app store. That's right. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, this is much nicer. So now most people, if they leave the dock as it as it comes, they have system preference in their dock and now they have yeah. a, a the, red one there until they do that. Yeah, some people don't care though. Some, some people, people don't, but it's definitely there's, I think, I, I don't know what the adoption numbers are, mm. but I think over the next few months it will be higher and higher yeah, and higher. Yeah. I mean, it definitely won't drop. Um, and <laughs> new new devices will ship with that. And overall, the, the adoption will increase. We definitely do cut out quite a lot of people with this, but considering that I think the time tracking that will hook into our own backend will be a li- bit more general mm. Like it will be a bit more mainstream of a of a system at that point, at which point it might be fine to to have uh, Catalina and iOS thirteen only. Yep, yep. No, I think I think that's fine. It's just a little bit unfortunate that it is at this point when, like, I think even with um, when Swift came out, Swift came out two thousand fourteen, and like the the iOS version that year was relatively stable. I mm-hmm. felt, and uh, if you wanted to write something in Swift rather than Objective C, you could, and you could decide to only support um, that version of iOS. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a big deal. Whereas now it's like some people won't upgrade, and especially not since they were dropping. Um, so uh, since since app requires six four bit support, mm-hmm. I think many people might stay around. Especially people who are less technical, they might just not upgrade. But I think I think we're getting there. And like you say, I mean, February, you kind of need to know. I I don't mm, know. Yeah, that's true. People have to make the delivery. I don't think a lot of people would be like, "Oh no, <laughs> I have no be no idea about technology, but I really love thirty two bit apps." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Apple releases uh, upgrade numbers for macOS. But either way, it, it's fine. We're not expecting to. Yeah, and to make I mean, a realistically, we didn't really have any other option if we wanted to do it in SwiftUI. So, and I think that was a good. I'm still happy about the decision doing that. So, and realistically. The the first part of the project doesn't need to make a living, doesn't even have to make us any money. I mean, any, any if it makes a single dollar, uh, I'm happy with it because I wanted it for myself anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't want to wait uh, the as long as it will take us to make everything ourselves. Yeah. So we wanted that to exist, and now it does. Yeah. And if it only does that for the two of us, that's that's already a win. I'm I'm using this application every day. Yeah. And I'm I'm quite happy with it. Mm. Right. And if there are any people who do, that's that's a win. And then for the second part, the vapor part, I just think vapor. I mean, in general, there are multiple Swift server side web yeah, frameworks. Yeah, yeah. Vapor is just one that I've used before, and I'm at around ninety percent happy with it, and ten percent is is a pain. The <laughs> that percentage is changing over time. When I, my first vapor project was, I think vapor one. And oh, there really? was about that fi- early? Yeah, yeah. There was about fifty percent pain, fifty percent happy. <laughs> so the percentage of happy is definitely increasing. Okay. And How it, painful is the pain though? Uh, it's, the, the deeps are deep. Okay. <laughs> the lows are low. <laughs> the highs are high. Okay. Um but I, I think it will just get us to something usable quicker. Just because we can reuse like all the models, like know, all the all the objects we define for for our time entries and projects and those kind of things, we can use across both. I think we get to something shippable earlier, um, yeah. earlier than we would with any other framework. Like if yeah. we would write this in Rails or or in um, Go or uh, really anything else, Node, 
we I don't think we would get to something usable quicker. Yeah. And I think for for the state we're in right now, where we want to get to something that's shippable quick. Yeah. And still have something that we're I mean, there's not a s other language. I, I mean we can both of us can write other languages. We could write it in yeah. in, in JavaScript if we needed to, or in Rails or in PHP. Hmm. But considering that we're both the most comfortable with Swift, and yeah. I honestly think we can get to something shippable quicker with Vapor, yeah, it okay. just seems like a good choice. And realistically, yeah. backend stuff, it's really easy to 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 swap out. Let's yeah, say yeah. Our, our time tracking on our, our cloud uh, invoicing and accounting system will mm -hmm. become incredibly popular. We have millions <laughs> of users. All right. Um, I like the story. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so, that's a happy ending yeah let's let's do that yeah. um uh realistically swapping those kind of things out no one needs to care right if we get to a point where we we just think all right we need to hire people to to take on the back-end development and we can't find people who are willing to learn swift and vapor who are those people or we can't find any irs mac os developers who would want to do back-end development in swift let's just assume that We we could start replacing pieces. You know, at the moment we're not in a place yeah. where where we make any money anyways or would hire any people. Yeah. And I yeah. think if But we I would think use once something, once we get to a point when we feel comfortable hiring people, we might be comfortable rewriting the back end too, if it's if it's coming to that. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just think the probability of even getting to a point where we might be in a position to hire people is higher if we get somewhere that we're happy with quicker. And that's kind of the trade-off right now, right? I yeah. I rather pay that down the line if we get to a point where we have money to pay with um, than, hmm. than building something right now. And I think that a benefit that you haven't spoken about is that we are also going to save costs using Swift now because first of all, we, we, we think it will come out quicker. We think we will be done quicker, but also um, the amount of like this the size of servers that you need to run swift is i mean i wouldn't necessarily agree with it because okay. if you have no users you can run anything on a five dollar box yeah right? yeah also But, like node yeah. node is plenty fast you know i don't yeah. i don't think for this kind of thing we're also not having like i don't know it's not like a uh social social app where you have like thousands of hits per user yeah this yeah. is very and the type on, of things that we're storing network. are relatively light as well I yeah think. and i mean The, the database hits that's usually where 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 you get bottlenecks quickly yeah we wouldn't have a lot of hits to the database because realistically you know for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. how we're doing that like the timer runs all we need to know is when did it start yeah and then we send back to the to the database when this timer stopped yeah you know they're not like constant hits we're not hitting the the database every every second or yeah, as yeah. you would do with like a social uh, social platform where you have like posts and you want to query like big data sets all the time yeah yeah oh, this is pretty light so i'm I'm not too worried about that okay. i i just honestly think we can get somewhere quicker hmm. with vapor yeah, that makes sense than we would with others I, and i agree i agree i just think from it's a strange option i think from people some people might be looking at that and think that swift is a strange options to choose right now it is but a I think strange option but it is it is but i think i think in our scenario just for the reusability side of it and the speed that we can make it in it will be beneficial mm. at first and i don't i really don't think that it's in general a good solution to just 
push up your problem further ahead. It's not like, oh, yeah, if we need to rewrite it, you throw money on it and rewrite it. That's really not what I want to do. But if it comes to that, we will be in a different scenario then. And we might still be able to do that. But I would definitely prefer to keep it in Swift because the benefit then is that people who enjoy writing iOS apps and Mac apps might also enjoy writing the backend. Mm. And so if we can find in general, there's people a lot who of value enjoy that. for front-end developers to have a better understanding of the backend, Definitely. I think. yeah. And a yeah. lot of front-end developers are... <laughs> I don't know. We often <laughs> see that at RS conferences and stuff. People seem to be quite scared of backend for... And I don't really know why. I, um, yeah, I know. I know. I think in general... <sighs> I don't know if it might be more databases that people don't like. I don't know. I mean, even even on the, on the front-end, you would use databases, not like you... Uh, because you know everyone loving core data. Yeah. Uh, I mean, core data is just one abstraction layer that... I but know, are, I know. You know, there are plenty. But uh, mm. overall, I do think there are benefits for people to, to un- have a decent understanding of both. Yeah, definitely. And I think even, and if, you know, if, even if you're not going to be a person writing front-end and back-end, I think it's great to know about both because you can communicate with each other much better. It's the same as having a person who is a developer knowing a bit about design or the other way around. I think that can really help remove some borders um, along people but in general also like a lot of development is around making assumptions about how certain things will work right and or what you expect to happen in certain situations and the more you know the more likely your assumptions will be correct and i think that is valuable and i mean realistically even if it doesn't get to that point we get somewhere quicker and that is that is worth it yeah yeah i agree I mean, it it's also different if you would not make that decision based on anything. You know, if if you would just go with Vapor because it's new and shiny, yeah, that yeah. might not be, you know, it, it, no, it really depends on everyone's situation. Yep. It might even be if, if we wouldn't have built Vapor backends before, mm, that mm-hmm. wouldn't be a good option. Yeah, but yeah. now we're fairly comfortable with vapor yeah, we know yeah. we we know a lot of the the problem areas it has and we know a lot of the areas where it really excels and we can kind of estimate that and, and plan around that quite well i think yeah, yeah. so for us based on all the things we looked into and where we want to go it seemed like a good option yeah that's a real nice way of describing it no oh, thank you next time someone asks me oh why are you writing the vapor i'm just gonna send them send them this episode <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah uh, I'm happy that you're happy. <laughs> we are. We all are. We all are. Uh, all right. Cool. Should we move on from this self-promotion of an <laughs> app that we can't even sell to anyone right now? Uh, I don't like. Honestly, I don't know. I think. Uh, yeah, we're at a good stage, and it's something I'm, I'm. I'm quite happy about the app now, but it's not meant to be self-promotion. I think it's just been an interesting journey because there's been so many new parts of the technology, and but now you ruined my segue. Okay. I was I was about to say, and now oh, let's promote other people. To- I like that segue. Okay, do it, do it. Uh, no, no, too late. Now yeah. we're going with this oh. butchered one. So everyone knows who to blame for this butchered segue. So. Uh, <laughs> of course. Um, so uh, Apple also had their, uh, we talked about it in the last episode, about the special event, December's 2019 special event. Yeah, we didn't really talk about it. We speculated. We sp- and, and, we, and I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> I almost said we, but I'm not going to pull us all over the ditch. I was, I was wrong. wrong about parts as well. Yeah. Overall, we, we, we got some parts right. I think we, we accurately 
that uh, predicted that it might be like a more press invited and smaller event, and I think that was right. <laughs> but we also got plenty of things wrong. But let's talk about the things that actually happened rather than the things that we thought would happen and didn't happen. <laughs> I think this is perfect content. I think this is what people tune in for. <laughs> um, yeah, so Apple held an event um, to celebrate the 2019 best apps and games on the App Store. Um, Apple calls it best of 2019. That's a better way of putting it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think we, I think this was interesting. I think it was a pretty low key event uh, by the sound of it. And I think it's not as big as like a keynote presentation that, um, that you can stream. But I think it's really cool to see that Apple had a specific event to celebrate app developers and game developers and really highlight what they like, highlight some of the best some of the best apps and games that are available this year. And I think it's great. Um, I always think, I think many people put so much effort into their apps and it's really, you, it really shows in those apps, but sometimes it can get, it doesn't get the attention it deserves. But I think this was, this was a great, great way of doing it. Great way of highlighting certain apps that weren't necessarily mainstream known brand apps either. So mm. I yeah, think that's it, really good. It wasn't like, oh, the apps of the year was Facebook and Candy Crush. So I mean, it was it was mixed, right? There were were there, there were definitely some that were smaller. Like yeah. most of them, I mean, most of them were featured throughout the year, which makes sense, right? Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't hold that. Yeah, let's yeah, not talk that, about great apps until the end of the year. So <laughs> they get their one feature, and that's it. Yeah, you know, most of those things were already mentioned by Apple's editorial team throughout the year, which makes sense because mm. they were good apps. Yeah, um, yeah. but they're also like some of them are small, some of them are or like bigger corporations but overall it seemed like it it didn't it, it felt like the editorial team picked games apps and other products that they thought were right for this yeah, type of award like they 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 like were like legit legitimately fitting into those categories mm. they deserved it so as for apps of the year uh spectre camera uh, got the um iOS app of the year iPhone app oh, of sorry. the year I found um so they're they're that's a um camera app uh i struggle with their names helite camera is that how you pronounce that that was the other mm. one that they made i think they won okay. last year so this is the company they yeah, make their names are multiple uh funny. camera apps hmm. um and this one is focusing on long exposure uh pictures and it's really cool. I I think uh, they're doing cool things. Like you can take like a long exposure of a bridge, and then it gets rid of the cars. Like it gets rid of the crowds. Oh, really? That's uh, cool. In, I haven't used this. Yeah, you could even do that on like I don't know. I don't know if it would work on something like Times Square. But in theory, you can make them disappear. So you take a really long exposure. Oh, that's cool. They look at the scene, take out all the moving objects, and you just left with. What mm. kind of looks like a dystopian uh, <laughs> alternative universe of of that place, which That's is really kind of cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And but also you can do like the the normal uh, long exposure type pictures that you would do of like nice nice waterfalls and those mm. kind of things. Mm -hmm. So it's really it is a nice app. It was uh, I I see why why they would win. Uh, the iPad app of the year was uh, Flow by Moleskin. Mm. Which is uh, one of our our picks throughout uh, the last year as well. We, yeah, we yeah. picked that up. And this and our special guest Adam. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm keeping on interrupting you. 
Um, but yeah, so this was something that Adam worked worked on. So we're very happy for for him and for the team at um, for the team that worked on it. And I think it's a really cool app. If you haven't used it, it's so much attention to detail. Like you can really pick so many different colors and like it's so satisfying to scroll through them. And there's so many different type of pens. And yeah, it's just, colors, yeah. color palettes. Yeah, it's it's a really cool app. So if you like sketching or drawing tools, I think. I definitely really cool. use it more as a, I mean, it is the idea is a notebook. And I feel like that's mm. more what it does, right? It's more of a... Do you use it to write stuff as well? Yeah, okay. yeah. I yeah. mean, it's definitely, I, I wouldn't use it to like... If I would want to create, I mean, apart from me as being not very artistic, uh, um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't use it to to try to draw something. It it is definitely I would use Procreate or something like that. This for me is more of uh, scr- uh, sketching or yeah, or yeah, like like t- outlining. Yeah. Like whenever I don't know, sometimes my brain likes to write things. Like if I do a database design, mm-hmm. I for some reason I can't do that on any tool on the on the computer i like writing that on paper and and scratching things out and moving them around okay so they should rename it database design by moleskin <laughs> yeah that would definitely also win yeah uh, app of the year um but those kind of things i don't know I, I i need to draw somehow i i feel constrained otherwise by by a computer when I'm not sure what I want to do yet. And for those kind of things, I, mm-hmm. that app is really nice. Yeah, I don't yeah. use an iPad as much. Uh, as, like I wouldn't I wouldn't use that on an iPhone just because the canvas would be too small. But on an iPad, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, for those kind of things. Anything that I would usually try to take paper and sketch on there, that, that's where I use it for. Mm. But I, I mean, maybe that equation changes a bit if you can actually draw. <laughs> mm. But yeah, it's, it's a really cool app. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, Mac app of the year was Affinity Publisher, mm, mm-hmm. which I this is something I feel like I wouldn't really use. But I think if you <laughs> you're not publishing, uh, what's well, going on? because I don't have Affinity Publisher. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the that is well, that is, you can it, fix them for forty eight dollars. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, overall, I don't think we're the target audience for that. No, but I it, do it's like. Really cool. uh, and I like Labs that there's a uh, there's a Mac app of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit worried there, but no, it's 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 great to see that. It's yeah, and forgotten. we definitely use other Serif Labs app. They also mm. make Affinity Designer, Affinity Photo. Ah, Affinity Designer is so good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, we, we use that a lot for, for basically all... Graphic, all of our logos. Everything that's vector-based graphics, mm. we use mm. Affinity Designer. So overall... I, I guess if Publisher has similar equal quality to the other apps, I guess it's a good app. Mm. And then the Explorers, one Apple TV app of the year. Uh, don't really have anything to say about that. Seems to show... Imagery. Polar bears! Yeah. Sorry, it's just a picture of polar bears on, on their <laughs> screenshot. So I assume it shows called polar bears. Probably. Yeah. But it seems to be like showing nice things on Apple TV. And that's... Mm. I mean, if they're... Hey, even remotely close to the quality of Apple's own screensavers seems like a good app. I know. I don't know. It's. I, I think Apple TV apps is a harder category to pick. Yeah, I am surprised there is. So now we're done with all of the um, all of the apps of the year mm-hmm. that they announced, but there is no Apple Watch app. Mm. Why do you think that is? Good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. It, yeah. I almost think Apple Watch. Apple Watch uh, is almost more popular Apple than of the year would be yeah, bigger than TV. Yeah. 
I'm surprised about that. I wonder if it's because of the state that Apple watches in. It's not really an independent app yet. I mean, you could. Yeah, you could still, yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I wonder why. Because Hmm. I feel like they're definitely candidates for it. So, Hmm. yeah. Yeah, especially this year. I feel like a lot of um, developers joined the Apple Watch again for development. Yeah, Yeah, interesting. Didn't think of that. Hmm. Maybe next year. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, it was probably deliberate decision i just don't know why mm. huh. yeah well um we considering our our pace we should probably hurry up a bit yeah so i just want to talk a bit more so there are definitely games i don't think we we can outline them but i think we don't really have to talk we, about them. we have not played uh, any of the games of the year uh sky by the game company i really like journey sky seemed to have mixed reviews Mm-hmm. Uh, Grace sounds cool, but f- considering that we haven't played them, I don't think we should talk about them because yeah, yeah. One thing we have played was oh, you have played uh, Say- Sayonara Sayonara. How do you pronounce it? Sayonara, Sayonara Wild, Wild Hearts. Hearts. Yeah, so you played that um, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. But yeah, I think maybe we shouldn't focus on that. What I wanted to talk about was that Apple specified um, app trends of 2019. Yeah, have that's a little bit of a like Let's small brief. That. Yeah, so this is. Um, uh, this was just part of the sort of um, newsroom article that Apple published. So they're talking about how they have seen certain trends within the App Store. And it seems like, I think what they call it is that the focus has been storytelling simplified. And what that means is that a lot of apps have focused a lot on making it easier for like everyone to just create their story or be creative in general from anything like a podcast editor or a podcasting tool to something like a... Um, like a, uh, a like a sketching sketching book sketching pad or even pl- ways of like writing novels and those type of things mm-hmm. and a lot of photography and photo editing and it seems like they really been they think that this has been the focus of the app store and I feel like I agree but I was curious what you think about this Kai do you think this is something you have seen an influx in and also do you think this is beneficial like what do you think are the side effects of this <sighs> yeah it is interesting what did Apple call it. The storyteller storyteller within simplified. Oh, I thought on on their website they say the storyteller within. Oh, okay. In 2019, these apps helped us discover our inner creators in whatever form they took. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe they just use different terms. Hmm. Either way, um, I mean, I definitely think that is. I, I see why. That trend, I mean, especially in podcasting, right? There were so many applications entering that space. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's noticeable. Yeah. Um, Like Canva. I mean, obviously, they're they're an Australian company that's been super successful Mm. uh, doing kind of what Anchor is trying for. Wait, Canva is making podcasting? No, but Canva does that for kind of... They have like their stories in Video Maker apps now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And even even their original, like their, their... uh, Canva app was about making making design more accessible. Anchor yeah, is doing I, I that. feel like they were pretty successful with that. Yeah, so super it, successful. Yeah, it makes sense for them to do something like this as well. Mm. I mean, Canva is a aren't they like a billion dollar company now? I don't know what they are at now, but they were definitely like one of the success stories of Sydney. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if people don't know, they're from Sydney. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, and. Anchor in a in a similar vein, you know. Yeah, we we started on Anchor. We did, but then we moved okay. away from it, and I feel like. But I think that's not a problem, right? No, in no. General, it was a good way for us to start it. I mm-hmm. mean, it was a good entry point, and it did make it easier. It made it easier to publish things, and 
I think they're also starting to add like ad reads or like they're inserting ads and stuff. So it does, in theory, is meant to make it easier for people to make a bit of money off it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I'm concerned about, which I haven't, I haven't seen, I'm just concerned that those ty- when those type of apps are being created, there is a lot of, there might be a lot of clutter. Um, so for example, I think you can see it in the app store. In the beginning, there were pretty, like, there weren't that many people who knew how to develop apps. Now mm-hmm. there are many people who do, and there are a lot of different apps in the app store that might not be to the quality that one would hope, or it mm-hmm. might be cluttering and uh, cluttering the space. And that makes it harder for people for apps that are really, really well designed and really well made to actually be recognized. And mm-hmm. I'm concerned that something like uh, a podcasting tool might make it mean that there are so many podcasts out there and it's hard for people to discover but the I mean, podcasts they want. Realistically, there are already so many podcasts out there. Um, yeah. yeah. And usually, I mean, it's often also like get, making it easy to get into this, especially like if, you, if we step one step back, like if you look mm-hmm. at the things that Apple points out, they're all tools that allow you to create things and share them in 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 different spaces but yeah. they're not trying to lock you in too much um right like mm-hmm. canva you can create something and then if you if you want to leave it you know it's it's not that your entire business or your entire yeah. creative efforts are kind of wasted in that platform now yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. all it's things more like that, a tool that you can use for mm. for the creative process and i think often that that is a good way right for us anchor lowered the bar of just starting a podcast yeah, um, yeah, but it's still hooking into RSS feed, so it's still easy for you to move it once yeah. you once you decide to, if you decide but, to. But at least it lowered the barrier to get into it, and then we yeah. decided: do we like this? Do we not like this? Do we want to keep on doing this, or do we want to not keep on doing that? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I mean, we're not the only ones, right? There, there are plenty of people who who get an easy entry into it, and then some of them will no longer continue. And sure, you have some like in in air quotes clutter uh, in in the podcast directory directory because you have a lot of abandoned podcasts and those kind of things yeah but i mean realistically if you have a niche topic you want to talk about but you're not necessarily i mean coming from a tech background might also help you with a lot of those aspects in the first place but if you come from like a niche topic that you're interested in and you 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 would like to share that with people and give access to you know if you're really into bird watching and you want to have a bird watching podcast Mm mm-hmm it is a easy way to get into that and, yeah, and yeah. get other people to listen to your bird watching podcast. <laughs> and if you ever get to a point where you're like, all right, I want to move off anchor and want to host my own thing or do whatever, you know, go for it. Yeah. You can definitely do that. Yeah. Um, but I think that is kind of the, the, the special part of it is to lower the entry. You definitely yeah. have that as well that you have more, like it makes it, because it makes it easier, you probably have more lower quality uh, content. But yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, yeah. Most most of those things kind of have a way of of filtering them out, anyways. Yeah, but what I do like, um, sorry, I don't mean to change topic too much, but what I do like a difference between the app store and something like podcasts or some like people creating creative stuff in general is that. The problem with apps entering the app store is that they might take away sales from other people. Well, something like a podcast, people can always listen to the first episode and then decide, is this something I like or not? Mm-hmm. Well, something like uh, if, you, if you're if you going to sell a um, 
food tracking app um, and there's a free app or there is an app that already that that's not as good quality as another food tracking app it's a lot harder for people for users to know which one to buy and if they already bought the one that they don't like like one that well, that's not as good quality they might feel more reluctant to buy a second one well something like podcast people can just try and choose so sure it's more content but therefore they can find what they want and maybe they can find more niche things it's like youtube there's so many channels and people can really find something that's fitting them mm-hmm. so i mean youtube has other yeah, problems but that's but actually an interesting point if you would flip that concept to apps if yeah. there would be something that makes creating apps as easy as anchor makes creating podcasts mm-hmm. i don't know if that would actually you know that yeah would yeah I don't potentially know. cause issues because none of that system is set up for yeah. anyone to i mean essentially wrapping like a website or or, or worse into an app yeah that might be and you wouldn't have any filter i think the good thing with app stores that there are certain content that you just can't create you can't make an app that does things that don't follow the review guidelines Um, but you don't have that for something like podcast to Mm. the same extent yeah but overall i think it's it's definitely those kind of things are probably always a win for niche like things Mm. that didn't have a lot of content at the at the trade off of probably creating like even for ourselves, right? We we added another tech podcast to the to the world. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. Not like there was like a yeah, huge, no, I, huge. It wasn't like a huge need for a tech podcast, but mm. it's something that we felt we wanted to do, and it was easy to do it. So I, I definitely think this is a, this is a benefit. I just wanted to play devil's advocate yeah. and just see. Do you think this is beneficial or not? And I think, I mean, it's like the the internet. There's so much out there and people still manage to find things. But at the same time, I think you have to differentiate yourself more now than you needed to when like, like 20, 30 years ago when the internet was just being established because then there weren't that many options. So um, it's definitely a more competitive. It makes the market a lot more competitive, but at the same time, there might be people who are really talented or have really good podcast ideas, but they just couldn't do it because they were not having, um, like they might not have the time to to put into like how to how to record it and how to set everything up. But now, if you want to talk about bird watching, um, you can. Uh, and sorry for picking on bird watching. I'm sure yeah, bird there are amazing yeah. bird watching podcasts out there. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but I'm just saying like something that is not as crowded of a space as like a tech podcast. I think many people who make a tech podcast know about how to set up a podcast or they, they might have a different background. But I just think it's great to see that there's so many people who are able to start making things. It's the same like if you make development easier, there will be more developers and that could be a really good thing. Mm. Yeah. And also in general, having a lower barrier of entry might make you realize first you thought, hey, I just want to try something. And then you realize that you really, really like it. And then you learn more of how to do the things that someone yeah, else did yeah. for you yourself, right? Yeah. You might learn about audio editing. You might learn about, like, for Yeah, for the it may, might, side, might you make might... you want to do things like go into professional radio hosting or sure. something like that. And it can really help you know what you want to do as mm. a career. Yeah. But I definitely think that, like, lowering the bar overall seems to be beneficial. Yeah. Despite the, the, the potential trade-offs you're making with that yeah yeah i think it's more about that people have to be more competitive if they really want to push through uh, the amount of things available but at the same time like i said there's something for everyone so that's a good thing i think mm. it just adds more diversity so mm. but either way congratulations yeah congratulations all the, everyone 
all the best of 2019 uh, winners. Yeah, that's yeah. And we'll we'll probably uh, in, in a couple of episodes have our own best of 2019 uh, picks. Yeah, as in like things that we liked in 2019. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Just needed to clarify. Mm. Well, no, but I, I think that would be fun to have a special episode uh, when the year ends, talking about the things that we like. Mm. But speaking with of that, things we like, maybe we should move over to things of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And I see in our document, uh, you you gr- gracefully left Zach in in the things of the week. I don't know if Zach has a pick this week. Okay, I remove him. I just <laughs> didn't want to be exclusive. Mm, that's very very nice. Yeah. Uh, I see here that you didn't add a pick of the a thing of the week, so you know. All right, um, I'm actually. Uh, this is coming hot oh, up. Oh, oh, you're picking this already. Yeah. Wow, so this is a hot take. That I, <laughs> that I have, uh, that we, the two of us, have owned for about um, however long this episode is, plus thirty minutes. Um, and that is the <laughs> rope. better way, way of speaking. <laughs> I know. So, an object I've owned or a device I've owned for about uh, an hour, and that's the Roborock S six uh, smart vacuum cleaner. And I don't know why. I just really like <laughs> just really robot like vacuum, vacuum cleaners. Clean. You know when it used to be a thing to be like a, ra- a vacuum cleaner salesperson and walk and knock on people's doors. Yep. I feel like that job would have been something you could have. No, been I don't like. I don't like manual vacuum cleaners that's that's boring i just i don't know why i i really like robot vacuum cleaners i i like first of all i always really enjoy machines doing work for me i know while i work myself it Mm. somehow feels like uh, twice as productive ideally you get the triple the the tri-factor when you have the dishwasher running the laundry like the um laundry dryer yeah (laughs) this is why our energy bill is so high (laughs) I mean, ideally, there are things in those machines as well. <laughs> All right. No. Um, and and the robot vacuum. I just feel like somehow that that is kind of nice because you still feel like you started a process, so you. Yeah. did something yeah and it's like super productive you work on something and all the machines work work on the things you told them to hmm. and the robot vacuum just really fits into that and there's nothing worse than vacuum cleaning manually it's such an <laughs> annoying process you have like weird wires that yeah you- especially the ones when you have a i don't know maybe this is something all vacuum cleaners have but when you have like a cable attached to it yeah like a quarter vacuum to, cleaner how yeah annoying. you have to move it around in order to vacuum clean under it yeah how, uh, how pedestrian yeah but it's also you, you literally have to be close to the thing that makes very loud noises. I know. I, I know. know. Yeah. My, and my brain like, works. Oh, other shores you can listen to a podcast while doing. Yeah, but this one you would have to crank it up so much that you know you're mm. you're de- permanently damaging your your. your that's your... why Apple released the AirPods. <laughs> I know. No, that that's the solution. Yeah. Or if you want to uh, not buy AirPods, buy a robot vacuum cleaner. Mm. Um, and Roborock, we, we've used those for, I don't know, since since they released their first model. So they released their first uh, robot vacuum cleaner as the Xiaomi uh, Mi vacuum robot um, because they, they got a big investment from Xiaomi into the, to join the ecosystem. Then they released their own vacuum cleaners and the S6 is currently their, their premium model. We had the S5 before that. Mm-hmm. And this is just a nice iteration on on the S S five. So what this one does is um, it has lighter on top to to scan the environment. It has multiple sensors, uh, like um, a round vacuum cleaner to avoid running into things. Always, always beneficial. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And it then also, when it, it live maps your room as it vacuum cleans for the first time, and then also splits the rooms into rooms. I know. So I, it, this it, is so clever. <laughs> I really like this. How it's like, we even have like quite an open apartment, and mm -hmm. like many of the rooms are attached to each other, but it still recognize what's the hallway and what's the kitchen. Mm. And, uh, it's, pretty, it's really good. And it's kind of cool because then after, after first of all, it, it has, compared to S5, the uh, Roborock S5, It is way quieter at the same section because it has some kind of, I don't know, muffler, some kind of thing to, to make the, um, make it quieter. And it's, it's quite pleasant. You can have it at highest, uh, vacuum settings, uh, next to you and it's not too annoying. So you can actually, uh, run it quite comfortably when you're at home. Um, And then after it, it finishes its first cleaning, when it split all the rooms, you can say uh, after that, you can, if, if there are any kind of identification issues, you can say, this is the kitchen, this is the bedroom, this is the bathroom, whatever. And then you can say, uh, schedule or explicitly uh, tell it to clean only the bedroom or clean the bedroom first and do the, the, uh, the kitchen or... Oh, you can tell us the order. I think so, yeah. Oh, that's nice. I mean, again, I've had this thing for 60 minutes, so uh, I might be wrong about some of the specific features. Mm, yeah, you should come prepared for this segment. I know. But you can schedule things, too. So you can schedule something like, I don't know, uh, you can start it to, to uh, in the morning uh, after you... I don't know if if you if you're in the kitchen to make breakfast, you can just make sure that it uh, cleans up the kitchen after you finished, and then uh, as you're uh, kind of working, like we work from home, right? So mm. we have our our study that we work from. You can schedule it to only clean that when you're actually out of the house for lunch or whatever you're doing, getting coffee. So it's kind of nice that you can just you know you can still make it run every day, and that's the benefit of a, a like a smart vacuum robot you can literally vacuum clean every day and it's fine mm. but now you can also i mean super first world problem but you can uh tell it to vacuum clean all the parts depending on how you move through your life and i think that's really neat and mm. sometimes you just want to clean a specific room right i don't know yeah like maybe you want to like for example we have carpet in the bedroom and it makes more sense to clean that often because carpet Gets yeah. a lot of dust. And then maybe for it can also it has a mopping functionality. And yeah, you don't use that on wanna, the carpet. Yeah, you don't want to mop the park the, the, the carpet because then it's insane. Don't do that. <laughs> um and you don't want your carpet to be wet, most likely. Uh so you can just say mop all the rooms that do not have carpet, which is super handy. So that that is that is uh quite a nice nice feature. Hmm. It's also super fast. Like it just cleans just over one square meter per minute. So uh, that is also just a very, like, I think it does, like, on average, a 50 square meter space in, in 40 minutes. You know, I said that you should be one of those vacuum cleaner salespeople. Mm. You are one of those vacuum cleaner salespeople. <laughs> uh, just that I don't get any money for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, you got to start that, somewhere. Um, that might be enough about vacuum cleaners, but... I'm I'm a big fan. Uh, we we've been super happy with their previous products, uh, and the S6 just makes everything slightly nicer. Yeah, cool. Uh, my turn. Yes, your turn. Cool. Uh, so my pick this week is, uh, or my thing this week is Tomb Raider for or on Stadia more hmm. specifically. Tomb Raider has been around since I think 2000. This uh, this series of Tomb Raider has been around since 2013. Mm -hmm. um, so it's basically the reboot, right? Yeah, reboot of the game series. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a three series one. I'm still playing the first one, so um, I'm 
No, I can't tell. I can't talk for the whole series or the whole game, but I'm about 40, 50 percent through the first game, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy it. And yeah, I've been st- playing it on Stadia or um, hooked up. Uh, so I used the Chromecast Ultra, which comes with the Stadia Founders Edition, um, and I hooked that up to my TV, and I've been playing it with a controller, and it works really well. It's no, like I'm. It's no noticeable lag at all. We will probably talk more about Stadia, um, but I don't want to talk about it too much. But I've been really satisfied with the experience. I feel like it's as good as like having a console experience. So I'm I'm really happy about it, and I think um, it's 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 a really fun game as well. So if you like adventures and a little bit, it's a bit of um, like first person shooting uh, in there as well. But you can. Do it in a like it's it's not it's not a hectic game to the you extent. You mean third person shooting? Sorry, third person shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not a hectical game like some shooting games. Um, you can be a bit on a distance as well, and it's a good combination. So you have to sneak up on people, you have to get rid of some people um, <laughs> to save your friends. There's I don't really You're murdering like, for a good I, cause. I really don't like games when it's like, oh, we are the military and we're just gonna go a military. Um, around you know that's 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 not what it is um so this is very much like you're your person uh who need to get around like get find a way off a place i don't want to spoil too much but you need to be able to you need to escape something and for that you need to find your friends and save them um and there are all these people that are trying to stop you from doing that um so it's a bit of sneaking around a bit of not getting caught and a bit of um like bow and error handling uh bow and arrow not error (laughs) bow and arrow handling Uh, and also a bit of puzzles um because after all it's you're finding a fair bit of tombs um, so in there you have some puzzles that you have to solve. Some may say you're raiding tombs. Oh, mm, maybe, maybe. They should call it that. Mm. Um, <laughs> raiding tomb. Um, but yeah, it's a really fun game. And I've been enjoying it a lot. It's a bit creepy. So okay. if you don't like creepy stuff. Also a bit brutal. It was a bit brutal. Mm. It's yeah. definitely M-rated for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Some parts are a bit like, oh, I didn't have to see that. I know. <laughs> like sometimes I feel so bad because I'm not, I'm not really good at this game, and they often show how my character is dying before I get to replay that scene, and it's just such a cruel way of killing her, and that's terrible. I don't like that. So if they could make it a little bit less cruel, I wouldn't mind that. Or you just get better at the game. Well, yeah, it's a, it's definitely an encouragement. Mm. Uh, but yeah. Um, if you like this sort of story-based uh, adventure game, I really recommend it. And yeah, you can't really get Stadia just like that, but once Stadia... You can get the Premier Edition. You can but buy that now. Premier Edition isn't shipping now, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah if relatively. you want Stadia, you can get the Premier Edition. Or play it on any other platform. Yeah. Like it's it's on basically anything. You can play it on... on anything that runs Chrome. No, but also like you can play t- the twenty thirteen oh, Tomb Raider yeah, and like yeah. on on PlayStation Three, Xbox, yeah, yeah. even yeah, on Mac. I just wanted to what even on Mac OS. I know, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to try out Stadia as well as a technical experience. And it comes as so, a free program, yeah. pro game for the month. Yeah, but I think Tomb Raider was a good good game to try, just mm. because I do like adventure games. Um, 
No, it's been good. And also, full disclosure, we're, we're in ideal network situation, right? I don't think yeah, we've had yeah, a single yeah. hitch or any issue, right? So, if, yeah, like, uh, but we have like a symmetric gigabit line. We're relatively yeah. close to the data center. We're we're like it's fiber. It's it's hardwired, so we use Ethernet directly from our AirPod Extreme to to the Chromecast Ultra. So we're in yeah. So in, everyone's in experience condition. may vary. Yeah. Yeah. But if you have a decent network set up, yeah. which, why wouldn't you? Uh, you listen to this podcast, get your <laughs> network in order. Um, you'll, you'll probably also have a good experience with that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So that's it. That's, that's an episode. And next that week, an episode. we'll have Zach back. Yay. Um, yeah. Cool. This was a bit longer than 30 minutes, but that's because of those breaking news that came in midway through the episode. 